Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. So I am very excited for this sermon series. All right, here we go. I am very excited for this sermon series. We have been talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and today we're on goodness. I have to say that as people are like, wow, this is pretty easy to preach on. Actually, these topical sermons are some of the hardest teaching aspects of preaching. Because what you want to do is you want to biblically ground people in the Word of God so that the Spirit of God can take the right Word of God and allow it to do a divine work in our hearts. Amen? All right. Now, just because people are still on vacation, you can get a little excited with me. Amen? Amen. All right. You can amen me if you want. Give me a little juice. So it's this idea that each one, and last week, Jess Truen up in West Milford preached on kindness just like Jeremy did here. And when we look at these words, they're very different than how the world defines them. Because when we define kindness, our world defines kindness like being nice, right? And so we're nice to people who are nice to us. That's a problem. That's not scripture. We are called to kindness, a deeper ability to love those who don't want to love us. And so today, I have the privilege of preaching on the hardest one yet, goodness. Because when you hear the word good, there's a million things that run through your mind. What does it mean to be good? How many of us have ever told our kids to be good? Raise your hand. Come on, come on. Doug Parker, I know you've told your kids to be good. Raise your hand, that's my brother, right? Think about it, right? How many of us were told when we were little to be good, right? Everybody. So this whole idea of goodness is so distorted because when we think about being good, does it mean to be quiet and not talk back? Now, when you're a middle child of seven kids and you ask questions all day long, that's hard for me. That was hard. What does it mean to be good? Does being good mean that you do your homework and you get good grades? Does being good mean that you're successful and you're accomplishing things, things that other people put expectation on you? And so my question is, what is good? What is goodness? What does it mean to be good? And are there measurements of what goodness is? So, when we talk about the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Holy Spirit, what we are talking about are the divine attributes that the moment you come to Jesus and the moment the Holy Spirit fills your life, that there is a new work going on inside of you and being produced in you that's opposite that was there before. 
Because that's what the work of the Holy Spirit is. Divine attributes in our lives that weren't there prior to Jesus, but now are present and growing and being produced in our life. So let's dive into goodness. Let's pray. Jesus, this is a great day. God, this has been uh, one of those sermons that I've really have chewed on and how to present because it is a difficult topic. And God, you know that when I study, I don't study the week of because I need to chew on it. I need to allow it to, to simmer in my soul. And so, Lord, over the last three weeks, this has just been simmering in my soul. And I ask you that you would do something beautiful here this morning. In my heart and in each person's heart as well. Amen. Galatians chapter 5, 16 through 23. Now, often when I've been preaching, I've just been reading the fruit of the Spirit. But I really believe reading the whole context of the text allows us to get really what we're pushing forward to today. Verse 16, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Let the Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Amen? There's a battle in you. There's a war that's being waged. That the things you want to do and the things you don't do and the things you don't do are the things actually you want to do. Paul talks about it. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. Now, I love how deliberate Paul is. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. When you, def- when you follow the things that are, that are going on in your, your heart that are evil and wrong, it's very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. I love how Paul just kind of like hits him like with the big ones, the ones that would say, oh, those are really bad. And then he starts getting to the heart of the matter. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Should I read that again? I won't. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. And that's what we're focusing on today. Not who we were, but who God is calling us to be. He wants to produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. So, let's define goodness. Because I really do believe that like kindness, it's very complicated. What does goodness mean? So when you look at the word in Greek, goodness is agathosun. Agathosun. Everyone say with me, agathosun. Say with me. 
Say it a little louder. Agathosun. Now, this is what it means. Agathosun means an uprightness of heart and life. The word good means holy, pure, honorable, and righteous. Now think about these definitions. Aren't these all the things that we want to see being produced in our life as we deal with other individuals? Now, here's another point. This adjective is used in the New Testament 102 times. So what does that say? It's vitally important. Goodness is not simply about virtue, meaning the good things that we can produce to gain recognition because it's the right thing to do. Goodness has to do with who we are in view of God and how we live in relationship with one another. Goodness is this idea of of uprightness, of purity, of wholeness. And I love when you take the word holy, you really need to take the word holy and not just say that it's clean and white as snow, but holy actually means holy his. That I am fully in a right relationship with God, that when I stand before him, I'm able to begin to see who I am in light of him and who he is even as I live in this broken world. You see, when you look at goodness... It always has to do with two different relationships. How we stand before God and how we treat others. Yes, goodness does have to do with virtue, but it's more than that. It's not just about this virtuous life. It's about this spirit-filled life that as we've learned to learn to live in a right relationship with God, we are learning in the process of being in a right relationship with others. Remember the list before the fruit of the Spirit? Dissension, selfish ambition, jealousy. No, 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 no. That's not good. That's all about you. But when we live in the goodness of God, we reflect something completely different and opposite. What do we reflect? Love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness. And, and you see these big things with big definitions, and then all those, those three, four other ones, all of a sudden start looking at how does goodness manifest with others? Goodness is manifested how we love others, how we're patient with others, how we're present with others, how we celebrate with others how we don't keep a record of wrong on others. And we see this. Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. It says this, love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law of all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So think about what Jesus was saying. The Pharisees, Sadducees, and Zealots created a list of over 2,000 commandments. 
And they start drilling Jesus. And Jesus says, all of these laws are summed up with these two things. Learning to live in a right relationship with God and one another. There's no other law but these two things. And so let's talk about where is the origin of goodness? Where does, or, where does goodness begin? You turn to Genesis chapter 1. Go through Genesis chapter 1 and read through it at some point. Seven times God talks about his goodness. Seven times in Genesis chapter 1. And remember, seven is the complete number. It's a heavenly number. It's the perfect number. And he talks about what is good, light and dark, skies and seas, stars, fish, birds, and all the creatures of the land are created to be completely, perfectly good. Think about that. You see, the problem with goodness is this. Oftentimes when we preach on goodness, we talk about attributes of God, not the fullness of God. Oftentimes when you think about God's goodness, you think about his generosity, providing abundantly for human being. We see that in Psalms 23, verse 6, Psalms 65, verse 11. We also think about God's goodness, how he is patient and kind, and he's not slow to anger because he's quick that every human being would be in relationship with us. And so when we think about his goodness, we think about his generosity, we think about his, his, his mercy, we think about his grace, but, but that's kind of like the outflow of who God is. You see, what we have to realize is that the very essence of God's nature is good. It's pure. It's upright. It's holy. It's how he's treated humanity since the moment he created his greatest creation, which is you and I. And everything that has happened in our life that draws us to Jesus, God uses it so we can experience how God wants us to live in a right relationship with him. And as we live in a right relationship with him, we are learning to live in a right relationship with others. You see, God not only wanted us to have a right relationship with him, but he wanted us to have a right relationship with others. It's why we read in, in 2 Timothy 3.16 that the word of God is his instruction in righteousness. It's why we read in Psalms 119 that all his commandments are righteousness. You see, God's given us his word that we can learn what, what goodness and righteousness and holiness and how we treat one another is, and then it's the Spirit of God that empowers us to manifest that in our lives as we walk with Jesus and walk with one another. You see, the Word of God and the Spirit of God, they partner together to drive us, not only to experience and know God's goodness, but we are manifestors of God's goodness as well. Think about that. And we as a church, in general, throughout all of history, we are so good at behavior modification. 
So good at behavior modification. God does not desire behavior modification. He desires heart transformation. And so it's in this that what we have to realize that the origins of goodness is God, but the place where God calls us to understand our origin of goodness is the human heart. Because what you do is just a reflection of what's in your heart. Right? And so goodness is a condition of the heart. It says in Matthew chapter 13, I believe that the two most important parables, first, number one, is the parable of the sower and the seed. And the second is the prodigal son. I believe the first one, the sower and the seed, because because Jesus really steps out and really defines what is most important to God. And then the prodigal is a picture of how God loves us. So, look what Jesus says. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. You see, what Jesus does is he talks about four different hearts. He talks about the hard path. He talks about the one where there there are rocks and and it's shallow, right? And then he talks about the one with the weeds, And then he talks about the good soil. Now, what is the best kind of soil that you can use in your garden? Does anyone know? Manure. Come on. God calls us to manure hearts. Can we say that? God calls us to manure hearts. Do you realize that? He is not calling us to this beautiful picture and image of holiness. He's saying in your humanness... Because of this broken world, the healthiest thing that we can understand is that we are called to manure hearts. And I got to be honest with you, and this drives my wife crazy. Whenever we go to Vermont, which we will be going next Sunday, amen, I will roll down the windows while we drive by farms because I love the smell of manure. And it does not smell good to 99.9% of humanity. But for us point one percenters, we love it. But here's what a good heart is. It's the individual that says, I have weeds. I have rocks. I have things in my life that block me from God. My heart has been trampled. And people have tried to harden it. But in the midst of Everything going on in this world, I am going to choose to deal with the weeds. I am going to choose to deal with the rocks. I am going to choose that every time someone walks all over me, I will allow the Spirit of God to water my manure. Because that is what God has called us to I really think that one of the most profound things that I could say this morning is this. And this is something that I was chewing on as I was just preparing this. We don't do good things. Amen? Can I get an amen? Good things are the result of what is taking place in a person's heart. Every time you do something good, it's not manufactured. It's what God is doing in here. 
And so, understanding our goodness has so much to do with us understanding where our origin of goodness begins. And it's recognizing the condition of our hearts. Let me throw out some really hard passages. And I can't leave these out. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. How true that is. When someone says they didn't really mean that, well, they sort of did. No, seriously. They really didn't mean it. No, 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 no. They, they actually did. No, I'm serious. They, they, they were just having a bad day. No, they were having a bad condition of the heart moment. It's true. It's true. It's true. But the words you speak come from your heart, Jesus says. That's what defiles you. It's not the words you say. It's what you've been thinking about, meditating on, preparing. That defiles you. It's allowing the rocks and the weeds to grow with inside of you internally. Psalm 4, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. As a young follower of Jesus, I allowed too many circumstances to dictate where my heart was being directed. And one day the word of God and the spirit of God said, Rob, guard your heart because it will determine what you allow the spirit of God to do and produce in your life. And then in James, the brother of Jesus, what's causing quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from evil desires at war within you? Come on. How many times have you had too many arguments with people in your head too often? I love the book that Andy Stanley wrote back in the early 2000s. It was as he was preparing for an Easter sermon series. And he called it, How Good is Good Enough? How Good is Good Enough? It is so hard for me to do funerals because that's always the question. Were they good enough? Were they good enough? Am I good enough? Hey, I know I have a lot of broken things in my life, but, but am I good enough? The problem when we think about goodness in the world's eyes, it's subjective and it's culturally skewed. Do you hear what I'm saying? Every culture throughout all of history determined their own moral standards of goodness. That's why I say scripture is not about morality, it's about holiness. Because holiness trumps all the goodness of the culture that we live in. Because each culture is subjective to the level of what they expect people to do and become with one another. It says here in Luke, and if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Man, Jesus is powerful. Even sinners do that much. I know some really good people that don't know Jesus. I know some really great people that do really great things. But let's be fair. 
We love doing good for those who do good for us. Amen? It's easy. It's easy to celebrate others who do good things for us. But what about your enemy? What about your neighbor? What about the person at work? Think about it. I think when people become followers of Jesus, sometimes, not all the times, they become less generous, less graceful, less loving. They become more close-fisted than open-handed. You see, when we come to Jesus and we say, God, I have a manure heart, open heart, open hands, everything is yours. Everything. I love what Jesus says. He says this, why do you call me good? Think about that. Jesus says, why do you call me good? Because there's a theological mystery that we love to avoid. Fully God, yet fully man. Fully God, yet fully man. Jesus realized the only good and perfect thing is his father who sits at the throne in heaven. And the moment he took humanity upon himself, he realized that inside him there was something tainted. (gasps) Did you really say that? Yes, read the Gospels. And he says, why do you call me good? And there's that mystery. Even the Son of God, the Messiah, his understanding was was centered not on himself, but on the Father's understanding of what it means to be upright, honorable, and holy. He said, I only do what the Father tells me to. Goodness is a divine attribute that is given from the Holy Spirit and is then manifested in our hearts and then is manifested to those around us. So, think about it this way. The fruit of the Spirit is goodness. An attribute of the Spirit is love. An attribute of the the Holy Spirit is joy. An attribute of the Holy Spirit is Patience. An attribute of the Holy Spirit is kindness. An attribute of the Holy Spirit is goodness. So when Paul is talking about the word fruit, he's talking about something that's being produced in someone's life for the benefit of others, right? Something that's growing being produced in someone's life for the benefit of someone else. The work of the Holy Spirit in my life is for the benefit of you, and the work of the Holy Spirit in your life is for the benefit of one another. So say this, his work in me is for one another. His work in me is for one another. Say it a little louder. We're singing with a nice little calm voice right this. Declare it. His work in me is for one another. Now turn to your neighbor and say this. What he's doing in me is for you. Turn to someone else. Reagan, what he's doing in me is for you. Think about that. It's for the benefit of others. When someone's like, God is doing this great thing in me, and it's so awesome, and I can't believe, like, like I'm in worship all day long. 
but then you treat people like manure? Not the goodness of your heart? That's not a good work. Because if the Holy Spirit is really at work and producing something in you, it's for the benefit of others. That's what it means to follow Jesus and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? That's what it means. And sometimes our goodness is best reflected when we recognize we are wrong and we apologize to those we offend. That sometimes is the best good thing we can do. I shared this about a month ago. I hurt one of my children being a dumb dad. Any dumb dads out there? Any dads do anything dumb? Thank you, Pete, for agreeing with me. Any dumb dads out there? Raise your hand. I'm going to make you all stand up. And I said something trying to be funny, but it literally shattered him. I'm like, dude, get over it. That was my mentality. Any parent ever say that? Get over it. And one day the Holy Spirit literally in that back room said, you realize you shattered your son. You literally like, you literally verbally hurt him. And I went home that day. I shared this about a month or so ago. And I sat him down. And Sue was in the room, and I just wept. And they're like, oh, shoot, what's going on? I said, I am so sorry. I shattered you. With my ability to be silly and selfish in the moment, I shattered you. Will you forgive me? And we wept, and we hugged. And they're like, what just happened? And dad walked out. You see, sometimes goodness is also reflected in how we take responsibility for our actions. Because our actions come from the overflow of what's going on in our hearts. And when you have the ability to apologize for wrongs that you are doing, it opens the door for the gospel to be present. And that is the best good thing you can do. Amen? So goodness is just not about the big things. It's about living in an authentic relationship with God. Someone with goodness will selflessly act on behalf of others. They will confront wrongdoings. They will give to the poor and provide for those in need. They will forgive and ask forgiveness when they have wronged others. They choose to love their neighbor and pray for their enemies. They care for others as they care for themselves. You see, goodness is truly what we believe about in our heart of who we are as children of God and are reflected in our actions. Let me paraphrase a passage found in Matthew chapter 5. Let your light shine. You are a city on a hill for the whole world to see. As a young follower of Jesus, many, many moons ago, I've been walking with Jesus for 30 years. I can't believe that. 30 years, I gave my heart to Jesus. 30 years ago. And there was a slogan, I'd rather see a sermon than hear a sermon. 
Your kids are watching you. Your kids are watching you. Your kids will come to church and hear the gospel presented and they'll wrestle with it and they'll struggle with it and they'll push back on it as long as you throughout the week are living your sermon that God planted in you. When you do that, when you live the sermon, the goodness of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, you open the door for the gospel to constantly be present to others. Because people don't care if you go to church or not. They care whether you believe what you say you believe. They care how you manifest it to others. People are drawn to the things of God because the way you conduct yourself, your integrity allows for the things of God to be revealed in every situation of life. That's why for my son, the most gospel thing I could have done is ask for forgiveness. Because when we have the humility to confess that we are wrong, it opens the door for God to show that in our humanity, Christ came to die for us. Amen? So, let me wrap this up. One final thought, curveball. There's a difference between greatness and goodness. There's a lot of people that do great things. Creating the electric car. That's a great thing. Creating computers, that's a great thing. Being a great athlete is really, really cool. I mean, there, there, there are times when you see somebody you're like, wow, check out their greatness. But there's something different about someone who is good. You ever eat a meal that was just authentically cooked and you say, that was a good meal, a good meal. When someone is good, they choose to live a life not based on events or accomplishments, but they choose to live their life where they are a reflection to God and God's love to the world in which they are called to live. My prayer for my kids, it'd be great if they do great things. But my prayer is that my children, my children will live good lives. Holy, upright, honorable. And it begins with saying, where is the condition of my heart? Where's my heart? Where's my heart? Let me finish with just three applications. Goodness is not something we can manufacture on our own. Goodness, it is a divine attribute that comes from the Spirit of God who's working in you. Goodness is not about doing elaborate things to gain recognition. Goodness is how we live every day that affects those around us. 
To understand what true goodness is, is to understand the condition of your hearts. So, there's someone in scripture that says he is a man after God's own heart. A man who up until a certain point seemed like he had a godlike heart. And then one day, he allowed the cravings of his nature, sinful nature, to push their way in. And he not only sinned, but he, cre- he, he did some heinous crimes. He did things that we would say, that dude needs to go to jail. And yet, God said, he is a man after my own heart. And I can say that the only reason that this individual, King David, was a man after God's own heart is because, was it, because in his greatest folly, in his greatest sin, in a place of vulnerability that he cr- committed a crime, he went back to understanding the manure of who he was. He wrote this. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to rebels and they will return to you. Goodness. begins in our heart. And it's manifested as we allow the Spirit of God to work in us. And then it's manifested to others as he manifests himself through us. I want to invite the band to come up. We're not, kind of a, we're not one of those churches that do like special musical songs. We just don't do it. I don't know why. But there was a song a few weeks ago that I was, I was, when I was working through this sermon that one of my kids had shown me on Spotify. And the song is called Spirit Lead Me. And when I listened to the song, now I can't even tell you how many times, I really believe that it was directed to this moment. You see, what God wants to produce in you is something so divine that nothing will shake you. The winds, the rains, the storms, the trials. But when you allow yourself to plant before the presence of God and allow the spirit of God to live in you, you open the door for God to do more than you could ever wish, dream, or hope to happen. But we need to get away from how the world defines goodness. We need to move away from how we allow our feelings to determine and dictate too much. And there has to be a moment in all of our lives when we have our King David moment that we say, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Do not take your Holy Spirit, but matter of fact, work on me more than ever. So in this moment, I want to challenge you. Where's your heart? 
Is your heart ready for the goodness of God to be experienced in you so that his goodness will be lived through you? Let's really jump into this song. If you don't know the words, which most of you probably don't, if you want to sit, if you want to stand, but but allow these words, sing along, do whatever you got to do to draw you back to the goodness of God because God is faithful. God is good. All the time, God is good. And God is good all the time. Let's sing together. It was great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org.